2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Hello, listeners. We're continuing our one-shot adventure, Blood packed Requiem. Now, as Ryan mentioned at the top of the first episode, this arc features a really dark side of the Warhammer universe and includes some content that some listeners might find disturbing, such as enslavement, torture, and body horror. With that in mind, please take care when deciding whether or not to listen to this episode. And if you decide to skip this arc, we've got two other weekly podcasts that you can check out in the meantime, Blood and Syrup and Dum Dums and Dragons, and we'll be back with Valentine's crew in a few weeks. For those of you continuing with us now, please enjoy the continuation of Blood Packed Requiem. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is a special report on the repercussions of the events of Blood Packed Prison Break set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Ryan LaPlante and players Tyler Hewitt, Laura Hamstra, and Del Borovic. Flinch and Carl continue to serve on Throck's ship, maintaining the vessel, maintaining a constant supply of victims for Throck to torture, and maintaining their hatred of each other. Will the arrival of Azrael, a priest of chaos, herald their salvation, or is he just another method that Throck has discovered to torment them? find out next in this episode of the one-shot Blood-Packed Requiem.
3: Azral's goal has been revealed to both Carl and because Flinch hears and sees all, well, hears specifically, sees all <laughs> in person, hears all throughout the ship, Flinch is also aware of this ultimate goal and Flinch what what do you think of this situation with the idea of bringing Throck back to the Sanguinary worlds?
1: Um, one of two possibilities: that Azrael actually believes what he says, uh, and I don't know, maybe everyone's, maybe everyone's all like, oh, big, yay, one happy warp chaos family, blah blah blah. It's okay, <laughs> or. Azrael is using Carl's beliefs to get a new hunting ground for Throck in the Sanguinary Worlds.
3: Mm, so essentially, Azrael could be Team God's Sanguinary Worlds or could just be Team Throck.
1: Yep. I mean, Throck's letting him stay aboard. Flinch doesn't know why.
3: <laughs> yep. Flinch didn't hear that speech. So- yep. The days turn into weeks, turn into months. Azrael remains on board, and Azrael remains untouched by Throck. Flinch, would you ask Carl about this, knowing that there are conversations between Carl and Throck that you can't hear, or would you just be taking this into observation because Carl seems unbalanced?
1: Um, yeah, Flinch, will, Flinch wants to know what Carl thinks. Um, so Flinch will say, Carl, what do you think?
2: What
3: do I think about what traitor?
1: This, 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 this Azrael.
3: To paint the picture we'll say that this conversation happens at a side room on one of the ship's uh, broadside batteries it's deactivated currently there are a couple of windows to the warp there's a massive gun in the middle of the room that's aimed outwards that you're currently working on rewiring it is the space that just the two of you are in this is one of those lulls where it's just the two of you and as are the only survivors on board currently knowing there'll be another slave mm. run soon but this is where this conversation takes place just so you have some environment
1: great
2: Here's what I know. I cannot trust you. I'm not ready to trust Azrael. And Throck knows about what Azrael has told me and has addressed me about it directly. But I don't understand why.
1: Wait, Azrael wait. Goes wait, what untouched. did what did... What exactly did Throck say?
2: He issued a challenge. He called it a game. A game where the sport is that perhaps we will triumph over him, or perhaps more likely, he is inclined to believe that I will break and. Succumb to the nothingness. I don't know why Azrael can say such things. Speak so brazenly and not be flayed.
1: Do do you think he's working for Throck?
2: I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking at all.
1: Well, I think that's a possibility. Noted. And then Flinch turns back to work. I was going to say, yeah, just anything yeah. else, traitor? <laughs> and she, like, hisses at him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you go back to your spiteful work.
3: Uh, and over the following months, Carl, you begin to realize, as your torture sessions continue, uh, continually, punishingly, Azra remains unharmed, as does Flinch. But Throck is now pointing out that Azral is telling you that there are gods, but Azral isn't saving you. The gods aren't saving you. It's his decision whether you feel pain or you feel joy or you feel anything. It's not up to the gods. It's not up to anyone else. Can you roll me either a discipline or cool check to try to resist this force over time? What is the difficulty, sir? Difficulty will be four.
2: Four purples, then? Four purple. Okay. Uh, And sorry, that was uh, willpower, you say? Like uh, discipline? Yeah,
3: yeah. Discipline or cool, whatever you prefer to use. I don't know how I'm... Asrall, would you be help, trying to help him endure, like visiting him, talking to him about faith, things like that? Or what would your take be knowing that this is happening? Throck is not someone who's inclined to hiding what Throck is doing.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Asrall, after torture sessions or anytime Carl's feeling down, he would feeling definitely... down? Yeah.
2: You know, <laughs> <laughs> anytime I got those Tuesday blues.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he would be big time leaning into talking him through it in a way of like you know like the yes the pain yay you know like basically just this is all part of what the warp wants you're feeding the gods with all of this every session just
3: uh, all right so. carl you get two boost for that but i'm also going to give you two setback because it's exactly what Throck is telling you Azrael is going to do, which is to, like, tell you that the pain has a purpose, but not actually assist you in any meaningful way. Can my tempered will ability reduce one of those setback dice? 100% yes. Okay.
2: So one setback added to the pool, then. Correct. I would like to use a story point. Yep. Because as... Tempting as it is to just fully believe Azral's prophecy and just give myself over to the the will of the gods. This is the god's will and things like that. Um, I think there is that nagging doubt that this is just setting me up to get hopeful to like completely break me later. I think the doubt is the only thing that would keep me safe if this were all crushed. Yeah. So it's like I need the doubt to survive right now.
3: I don't know if it matters. One failure, one threat. One failure, one threat. You begin to lose faith in Azral. Not necessarily the okay. gods, but Flinch had given you the suspicion that Azral may be another Throck ploy. Could it be that Throck brings you a fake priest, sets you up to trust them, and then reveals that they don't believe in anything, too, and your journey is just more hollow? So it's just distrustful, turning inwards, focusing on yourself, all of those things. And because you are still stubbornly resisting him, Throck removes your face permanently. So your face is just exposed musculature, skin, and bone. So you have to you've tried a number of different treatments over time to try to maintain this, and it doesn't work until you discover that if you pour human blood over your face, it buys you about 24 hours of maintenance. So you are now having to use blood to keep your, your head running and your face okay. functional. Laura loves it. You can see from her expression. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Fuck, dude, that's gnarly.
3: <laughs> but okay. as this continues... You all start to gain further access into the ship. Throck is opening up more areas, and Throck gives the three of you access to the bridge. As Ooh. Throck doesn't talk to you, Throck mm-hmm. doesn't touch you, but mm-hmm. if you speak while Throck is talking, Throck hits you across the room. And I think it takes you about two of those to realize that you yep. get your moments of silence that you can talk in, but otherwise there is no violence. Flinch. You rolled real good on that slaving run. Throck is a surprisingly big fan of what you're doing, which is expresses itself by just, you are not tortured regularly.
1: I'm um, down with that.
3: You get to do your job. Carl, uh, Throck's focus is directed completely towards you in this ongoing battle of wills that the two of you are having. However, yeah. you become more involved in his general crusades throughout the eye. And because of your interest in the gods, Carl and Azral. Throck starts targeting champions of specific gods on an ongoing basis. He starts seeking out people who are committing the kinds of crimes that he's interested in that are also on the path to ascend. They are on the up and up among the chaos worlds. And he is hunting down fellow legionaries and champions, picking the gods seemingly at random to just establish that his atheism can overpower the faith of these warriors. He's doing this specifically to try to undermine your faith. Azrael and Carl, I mean, you've already, you've resisted these things enough that Azrael, you basically are like, this is the whim of the warp. Mm-hmm. And Carl, you're in the midst of your ongoing test of just the gods. This is all part of the plan. Flinch. This is the first time you're getting exposed to the idea of someone of Throck trying to actively disprove the influence of the gods is meaningful. Can you roll me? a cool or discipline check to resist this idea unless it makes sense to you because you have always been more technologically minded and more kind of coldly rational and you've seen the buoys and weaknesses of the gods as time goes mm-hmm.
1: on.
3: Is Does Flinch have faith to be chipped away at is kind of the question I would ask you at this point.
1: Hmm. I th- I think Flinch was always a little bit more.
3: <clears throat> like Carl's a convert to the religion, so he needs it. Flinch grew yeah, up Flinch in the religion. Flinch was born
1: to it. Um.
3: But it's also, unlike the Imperium's religion that is very much like pray to the emperor and nothing happens, you've also seen the actual utility of demons and warp energy and sacrifices yielding things. There's a yeah. lot of it that's ritualized that doesn't, but there is some that does.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if, even, yeah, I think Flinch is o- be open to the possibility that things aren't entirely as she understands them. But I think atheism, like, period, is way too much of a stretch. There's no way that can be.
3: All right. So, can you roll me a discipline or cool? And this is the battle for the idea of the gods having an active intent that they care about their champions in the space that like praying to a God means that they're on your side or the idea that gods are kind of these capricious, almost Xenos entities. They're just a warp entity that doesn't give a solitary fuck. So they're not, you can use them, but you shouldn't pray to them.
1: Right. Okay. I'm going to, mm, I think, mm, mm.
3: I don't know what those sounds mean. So I don't know how those will affect the die rolls. I,
1: <laughs> I'm, to, I'm just trying
3: to decide cool
1: or discipline would make more sense. But um
3: Uh discipline if Flinch is, if you're looking at Flinch actively thinking about this process on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Cool if this is something Flinch is just exposed to and Flinch's opinions change over time.
1: Uh no, discipline. Flinch would yep. uh, yeah, gather information over time. And what did you say the difficulty was?
3: Difficulty will be four.
1: Oh,
0: hello. Throck
3: is very powerful, very present, and there is no warp energy on this ship. The other thing that would confuse the ever-loving shit out of all three of you, Throck has no mutations. You've been exposed Mm. to the warp for the same amount of time. You all have tremendous mutations, and Azrael, your whole system is like weird having been in the warp forever. Yeah. Throck is just, he's insane and tremendously dangerous, but does not have any visible mutations whatsoever. And the ship does not have any of the biomechanical flesh to metal that you'd expect. This is just a ship.
1: Yeah. Weird. All right, I'm just going to roll that. Uh, Two failures, one threat.
3: Flint, you're starting to think Throck might be right. That the gods are a thing to be used because they are powerful, but that they are not actually worthy of worship or trust or faith because how the fuck did you end up here if praying to the gods makes things work because you've seen no sign of the blood god showing up to help anybody on board and you've kidnapped corn worshipers and you've brought them on board they die as ugly as everybody else you've kidnapped priests they die as ugly as everybody else like the most mutated to the least mutated slaughtered just like anybody else You've seen yeah. no sign that the gods actually being a god's champion has any bonus other than drawing attention in this hellish place. Yeah. So it's not atheism because the god, the power of those who use those is absolutely real. You can just yeah. see the seemingly capricious and random nature of a lot of it. Yeah. Which is just another fun wedge between you and your friends. But as and this, Flinch ongoing... is
1: having a time. Like this yeah. sucks.
3: Oh, Flinch is having a time. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> says the man with no face.
1: Um, <laughs> hey, I didn't say that Carl wasn't having a time.
3: <laughs>
1: I see.
3: I see. <laughs> but you all start to have a bigger image of these crusades as they're going on, and as Throck is engaging in this war against holy figures, which, as well, you know, it's all just part of the plan. It's all mm-hmm. just part of the plan. There is. One other name that starts to pop up more and more often as Throck begins to fail in Throck's attempts to kill these champions, and that is Sindrian, the son of perfection. One of the Emperor's children has apparently taken Throck's actions personally, and the two eventually declare that they are going to kill each other, just very publicly on a large number of worlds, and it becomes a hunt within a hunt which has led you to the system that you are now entering. You are heading towards what is known as Everworld. The Eye of Terror is a mirror of human reality. It contains all of our darkest urges and thoughts and emotions made manifest in the shape of demons, in the shape of the warp, in the shape of 10,000 worlds that are 10,000 different kinds of hell that have been dreamt of by mankind and other sentient species over millennia. Everworld is a reflection of the reflection as you fly towards it in the tenebrous Claw. It is surrounded by a warp storm that is of the same visual quality and density of that which surrounds the edge of the eye. It's been mapped out over time so people can trade to functionally earn the roots to be able to journey to Everworld. But the world itself, as you head down towards it, you can see it looks like if you've ever seen any of the science exhibits where they do a glass ball with different colored liquid to show when you spin it how it becomes all of these sweeping lines. You're seeing that. The atmosphere looks as though it is rotating at an incredibly impossibly high speed, but underneath the world is constantly shifting. Every heartbeat, you are seeing it shift from an ocean world to a world of fire to a world that seems agrarian to a world, and even patches of it are doing the same. So it's this rapid, uncomfortable shift where every time you blink, close your eyes, look away, it is something different. Because Everworld is a mirror of the entirety of the eye in a single world. And the thing that brings everyone to Everworld is the Everworld market. There's a marketplace on this planet that has been declared neutral territory by the person who operates it, who is just known as Bane the Magnificent. Bane does not stay on the world. It was not required, and Bane is believed to be dead. But Bane was a sorcerer of the Thousand Suns, and Bane wanted to create a marketplace that was truly neutral, where no one would act out against anyone else and where every deal would be honored. And Bane did this by taking a large number of what are known as the Rubrique, who are the Thousand Sun Space Marines who are dust inside their armor that is enchanted by magical willpower because their Legion suffered a tremendous loss. You would all have records to know this so that you would have a level of context. They can be controlled by other Thousand Sun Sorcerers and anyone with the math to sort that out, but there has been no one who has been able to crack this magic of Bane the Magnificent, which means the Everworld market is small, but patrolled by a large number of rubriquet. And if a fight ever breaks out, those rubriquet are programmed to kill everything in the market. So it is just the nuclear option on anyone who operates in this market. But what that does is it's been a level playing field for a lot of people who would be tremendously dangerous to each other otherwise. Because if you are weak and you want to open a stall on one of the countless worlds in the eye, you will just get eaten alive by your neighbors instantly, except on Everworld. The challenge for all of you is Throck doesn't give a fuck about rules. And Throck has discovered that Sindrian is going to the Everworld market. So the Tenebrous Claw is taken down and lands at the edge of the marketplace which is sitting in a giant field of glass. When you look down, you just see shattered pieces of glass as the back of the Tenebrous Claw opens and you're able to walk down. It is a massive plain. It is horizontal. There are no mountains. There is no shrubbery. There is nothing else. And when you look down, you just see shattered fragments of glass spreading as far as the eye can see. And in front of you is a tent city. With a number of small buildings that have been built out of fragments of other buildings. There are a few that appear to be made of old clay earthworks almost, having been dug up and then constructed around. It is a bazaar that is bizarre. Hmm. Uh, you can tell even from the distance. And Throck behind you just says, I need you to set up a stall and to make a trade. And then when Sindrian arrives, send me word, I will swoop in and eliminate Sindrian. And then we will leave this pathetic planet. Do you understand?
1: Um, yes. Uh, Ryan, to be clear, we know about the rubriquet. Rubric yes. Uh. So Flinch just says, and my, my, my lord, my lord, night lord, uh, and and what of us when the rubriquet arrive?
3: They are not your concern. I want Sindrian. And you just see the crackle of lightning claws unsheathed behind you. It's not clear whether or not he's going to keep you safe from the Rubricade, but it is clear if you don't do this, he's going to fucking kill you.
1: Yeah. No choice. Like most of the past few years.
3: (laughs) So he gives you the warp beacon that he used to summon the Tenebrous Claw as something that Ooh, you can put up okay. as to trade and he sends you in. So your job is just to locate Sindrian, okay, uh, while setting yourself up as a regular part of the marketplace. He is sending the three of you. You step off the ship, you look back, he's already gone and the ship closes up behind you at the edges of the Everworld market. I'm assuming Throck has sent Carl out here without shoes or something. Uh, no, no, he wants you to be functional. So you are in, uh, you're kind of like torn fatigues that you've maintained over time. You do have your shoes. You don't have a face. Okay. Greetings, fellow servants of the emperor. It is I, Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and I am here to call you to step forward and serve the emperor as part of his immortal and blessed host. It's a great day for you to join a Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash dumdumdice is the perfect place for you to fund our little forays into saving, let's just say, the golden throne and all of humanity. Now, I know the thing that you're wondering is what's in it for me, because, and I mean this as pleasantly as possible, you're absolute heretical scum. What I'm hoping for all of you is that you can redeem yourselves by receiving ad-free feeds where you are no longer plagued by random temptation, but instead can focus your attention purely on the emperor. You can gain this ad-free feed for only $5 a month and receive other feeds as well to other alternate realities if you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. It's for the emperor and will save your souls. You have your Athames, and I will say he would have given each of you a Laz gun as well if you would take one. Oh, sweet. Uh, probably not Azral. I don't know if Azral is a gun person, uh, and Throck doesn't really give a fuck if you die. That would really prove his thesis. So <laughs> uh, I will say the other two of you both have Laz guns uh, and are carrying. Uh, you've got your power knife or power stake. I think we called it a power knife and are using power, power stake rules. It's a power uh, from what stake, I, yeah. From what I remember from the previous thing. Um, and then Carl, uh, if there was an upgraded, like, weapon you wanted throck is not worried about that i uh, think you cha- carried a chain sword or chain axe before maybe yeah chain axe i think great uh, you would have an, another chain axe there are definitely those on board uh and he would have permitted that okay i don't have those stats anymore because we picked that's this, fine uh, we can, we can sh- chase that down um yeah. we'll see what if, your strategy is and what happens It'll. it'll yeah. we'll all learn something um <laughs> and i will say that you both have enough time and equipment to be able to put together kind of coats or whatever you want to wear that you have the equivalent of a flak jacket, uh, kind of Imperial Guard standard oh, light lovely. armor. It's not actual flak armor, but like you got a coat you ripped off of a dead guardsman or like something else that's there. Like it's been very pieced Aww. together, but has yeah. the overall effect.
1: My soak is four now. That's so nice.
2: With um, with acid spilling forth from a critical wound, I um, as my searing blood condition. Um, yes. would my missing face have that kind of going on? Like would I be able if, if I needed to, would I be able to have constructed or fashioned some sort of grotesque that was spray more device? was more like utilitary uh, than ceremonial? Something to keep
3: the acid in my head uh, so, instead of spilling out of my face. Your face does not actively bleed as long as you're maintaining your blood treatments. Okay. So got it, it. consider it to be very okay. first hellraiser-y frank halfway through the movie. Got so it. Just imagine
1: okay. him with a whole bunch of tiny clamps.
3: Yeah. So so I, uh, yeah. I
2: was just gonna release grab a, acid. Grab a skull and <laughs> put it over my skull like a like a helmet. <laughs>
3: Uh, Also, you would have had time to fashion a grotesque if you wanted to. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. Either of our friends. I I would say, Flinch, you you don't get to have one. It's been destroyed if you've ever tried.
1: Yeah, I don't don't get to cover these sweet tattoos.
3: (laughs) Carl, do you have one? Yes, I do. Yeah. Great. You've built it in secret. What does it look like? uh,
2: We'll go with the skull then. Yeah, it's, it's from many skulls. Uh, uh it, they that have basically been uh, cobbled together to make like a larger skull, almost helmet. Um, that sort of weeps blood because underneath is uh no face, is just exposed muscle and bone. Um, <laughs> yeah.
3: Great, you advance towards Everworld Market. Uh, I assume. Uh, is there anything you <laughs> yeah. want to do as you're, you're moving forward? Is there anything you're looking for specifically? Uh, what What is your plan? It is up to the three of you now. This this task was handed over to you and you are unsupervised.
1: Um, do we know anything more about Sindrian or just like Emperor's what? Children, Throck hates him?
3: Emperor's Children, one of, uh, which means slanesh loyalty on yep. the overall scale, generally battling for, uh, depending on which member of the Emperor's Children, excess, perfection, etc., uh, an extremely talented duelist, which you have begun to realize Throck also is. Uh, Throck does not throw himself into battles with large numbers of people. He tends to lean towards fear and terror to do that. Uh, but extremely talented duelist. Fucking ego to the fucking roof. The messages you have got back well, have been, like, well-crafted. Goes crafted. without saying.
1: <laughs> they're,
3: they're written almost in the style of artful sagas that have been written back. They're, they're a good read, and... You guys are not slanish fans. If you're, I mean, Flinch, yeah. you don't. You're having trouble with all gods right now. But yeah. Carl, you read them and you're like, "Fuck, Sidri, it sounds cool." <laughs> it's, <one of> those, <laughs> it's bothersome that it's so well crafted, yeah. even just as insults. It, um, it, I think after all this time, there's there is some
2: allure to someone who can so brazenly oppose Throck without, mm-hmm. you know, horrifying reprisals. Yeah, so such, yeah, a there, level of appreciation. Sexy,
1: weird. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: I have the weirdest boner right now.
3: <laughs> but none of you have set eyes on Sindrian, and neither has Throck. So you don't mm-hmm. know exactly what Sindrian looks like. Okay. But you know the marks of the Emperor's children. They still wear the Aquila. They are tend to be in a combination of purple is a very strong color. Gold is usually the the edges of their armor. They also sometimes can use almost like a bone white. But at this point, he could be covered in rainbows and playing a rock guitar. You've no fucking clue what <laughs> is going on with individual followers of Slanish. But clearly, Cindrine is not the style of Slanish that's like, I'm doing a ton of drugs and just going crazy and out of control because this has been a war of stalking and hunting between two mm-hmm. apex predators.
0: Yeah. I think Azrael, as soon as Throck is gone and before they even get into everything, he's going to just take a chill moment and just try to commune with the warp and be like, can I get a feeling for what might happen here or or a zone that I should be putting myself in? Just like doing that open communication, like, give me give me a sign out here, you know?
3: Great. I think you've got a, a psychic power that in some way involves this.
0: I do. I have. Uh, augury, which is a divination Mm. skill. So I'm gonna just try to do a little divinations.
3: What do you have to do to summon this power? Is this just an internal one, or is this so you gotta cut your hand for blood, or what is the ritual that takes place when you are summoning this ability?
0: Yeah, I think it it really is just like holding his staff in front of him, kind of close to him, and making himself like a tripod, and then his eyes just kind of roll back, and then it's that normal warp, like misty uh, it, like smoke starts coming out of his mouth mm-hmm. and he just is not seeing anything that's actually going on in the world, so.
3: Okay. Okay,
0: and I think that our augury says one average, one purple, one red check. Yep. Um, okay.
3: I will give you three boost because this is a world that is warpy as fuck <laughs> uh, but I will give you one setback because it is easier to lose control in an environment this warp charged.
1: Very true. Okay. And then... I was gonna say, do the do the perils of the warp apply, like, extra? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, in the warp, or perils less? of the warp are always uh, dangerous, but they just reflect differently. Mm-hmm. A demon may burst out of you, but you could become a demon host because they don't have the same requirements. Like, one of the challenges of demons appearing in regular reality is they need constant bloodshed and other symbolism to maintain the weakness between the warp and reality Mm. for them to exist. They essentially start burning at the moment they appear. However, in the Eye of Terror, which is all in the warp, those rules be off. So a (laughs) demon just exists because this is as close to their reality as it is to ours. Everybody's Mm. intruding on each other an equal amount. So it's not as bad cool. as like being purely in the warp where like, oh, your ship's Geller field goes down and then just demons yeah. are like, and the whole thing just becomes <laughs> yeah, yeah, a terrible yeah. Cronenbergian nightmare for like 10 <laughs> seconds and you're all fucked. But it's closer to that than regular reality.
0: Yeah, cool. I'm going to roll it up straight. I got two successes, four advantages.
3: This mission is exactly on path. Right. You don't want anybody to fuck around with this. The job here is to do exactly as told on the exact most obvious path. Okay, that's the path to the future that you see the warp sending you on.
0: Great, great. Then Azrael will take a deep breath and all the smoke just goes back into him, and then mm-hmm. he's toddling off straight down the path, <laughs> straight like gonna <laughs> find an emperor's children, and we're gonna, <laughs> and it, it's gonna work out because that's what I know.
2: Carl fully intends to fuck around here. Um, <laughs> this seems like if, uh, if Sindrian is here and he can go to battle with Throck, that will divert his attention probably the most it's ever been in years and years and years and, years and potentially enable um, Carl to kill flinch who is you know a traitor and and this is his entire trial that he's being put through this has all been the test and this might be his moment to sow enough chaos that he would it would create an opening for him to get to flinch before throck could stop him it might mean everyone here getting murdered because of the uh the other um I'm sorry, I didn't have the, the term written down, but the, the other guard The here, K, yeah. The K, yeah. It might mean that like, we all get wiped out, but
3: I will have honored. Uh, yeah, you've, you've achieved in, the, the mission set before you. by Balancing
2: the, the scales, killing the traitor, yeah.
3: So you're moving forwards with... Sabotage in mind, yeah. The sabotage in mind. Flinch, what are you thinking as you head towards the market?
1: What choice does Flinch have but to do exactly as Throck says? Either Throck wins, the Rubriquet come down, we somehow all escape because Throck has it planned out, or Throck escapes, and we're just left to the mercy, quote unquote, of the (laughs) Rubriquet, or Sindrian wins, and again, the Rubriquet come down, (laughs) and we we either escape (laughs) or we don't. (laughs) Like, it's just like, I don't know. Clinch knows where the ship is. <laughs> Maybe she can run to it.
3: <laughs> valid. 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 That's, kind of, that's valid. kind
1: of it. Like there's just, as always with Throck, not many options.
3: All righty. So you are all heading forwards. As you look into the distance, what you can see at the end of the, the planes of glass as they crunch under your feet, boots, as they are run, they bounce off of the bottom of all of the things dangling from Asral. Uh, every time you look up, you see a different scene in the distance. You can see a world of raining blood. You can see a world of fire. You can see a hurricane. You can see a beautiful city of light. You can see an unholy church. Every time you look away or blink, the distance becomes something else. Every time you look from left to right, it's a different world. It's a mm. different world. It's a different world. You don't see anything that suggests the Imperium. That's clearly not here, but you realize you are seeing reflections of all 10,000 worlds of the Eye of Terror in the distance, and you don't know if you walk towards one of them where you'll end up. But this marketplace seems to be steady. And you're advancing through the glass, through the exterior tents. You're starting to see that this is a pretty bustling marketplace. Uh, It is also... The, the sellers of this are so much more pathetic than you're used to because, again, they don't have to fight to maintain the space mm-hmm. that they are in because too much violence, everyone dies. So it's a large collection of low-level mutants. You're seeing people with mutations that aren't useful or could be incredibly nightmarish to deal with, people whose skin is melting off of their body. You're seeing people who are in man. there's men groups, but there are also a number of Xenos entities here that you would not have expected to see. You can see a clan of orcs that are trying to sell guns. You can see a number of Dark Eldar who are interacting from another one of the booths oh, moving forwards. They're all here. They're not carrying weapons and they're all just conversing in the open. You can actually see an argument happen in the back, and then you see several large mutants pull two orcs apart. And it's actually clear that the groups here have all hired a number of very burly mercenaries to make sure the orcs don't start fighting each other because they normally would. But the market was like, oh, fuck, they're going to kill us all. (laughs) So it's just a couple (laughs) of hulking mutants waiting to separate orcs and then get them to sell things. Everything you can imagine is on sale here. Uh, They may not be carrying weapons, but there are guns on the counters. There are explosives. You're seeing warp tech. You're seeing cages of slaves. It's all here from the most expensive, fanciest stuff to the cheapest things you can imagine, along with food and other items. The one thing that you see constantly are rubriquet patrolling the areas. These are full-scale space marines with a strong Egyptian flavor, one might say. Uh, They are in Teal and azure armor with gold around the edges. There are lots of gold and blue interlocking bands. Their helmets go up into sweeping kind of column designs. And they carry the Ouroboros on their shoulder. Mm. That is the symbol of the Thousand Suns, the snake eating its own tail. They seem like servitors to you. They have glowing yellow eyes. You never hear any of them talk as they pace around, and they are moving in straight lines. Their gun is held, their bolter is held across their chest, and they just stalk forwards at a steady, rhythmic pace. Stop, turn very sharply, and stalk the next thing. It feels like it's almost an automated path they are all doing. Mm -hmm. Azral, can you roll me a perception? Sure. Difficulty three. Sure thing, uh...
0: Okay. Just straight. That's it? Yep. All right. Two successes, three threats.
3: Uh, you f- reach out with tendrils of the warp to see what you can feel from the rubric mm. uh, And what you feel is tremendously unsettling to you, which is what the, the threat represents, because it just throws you a little off balance, because it feels like they have a shadow of a soul, but not mm. a soul. It is a reflection of what used to be there. They're capable of only the most rudimentary thoughts and trying to understand or see into their minds is like looking into a wall of smoke. Mm. But it is the smoke and ash that you can sense of like the greatest and most personal intimate destruction. So it just sends a shiver down your spine uh, and you realize you do not have the power to turn any of them towards you that you were aware of without getting very fucking clever about it because they are tremendously hollow. Mm. There's no negotiating with them. You either overpower it, you drive it like a bus, or they are whatever they were programmed to be.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, What do you do to try to get yourself set up in a a thoroughfare to to find a main arterial route and claim a booth? (laughs) Carl would be, be, yeah, um, heading to the center
2: of this market to see... Um, first to like take in as much as possible, but also to see if there is a, a spot that we could set up where there's like more traffic, more odds of seeing, um, Sindron, um, instead of, you know, off on the
3: outskirts and just building, building out. Yeah. As you move towards the center, you start to see that there are three central buildings, all of which are very tall. Uh, One of them appears to have a bunch of mutant logos and icons on it. You can hear what you'd recognize as pound, which is sometimes known as twist music, but it is a specific kind of heavy metal, electronic, ugly as all hell uh, rave dance music coming out of this building. Uh, It is heavily enforced. There are very large, burly mutants outside. Uh, when you look to the next one over, you can see that it is a Beastman compound. You're hearing a lot of drumming from within it. These buildings are four stories tall, inconsistent windows, flashing lights from within. This one has a big bray stone at the very top of it, which you know is of religious significance to the Beastmen. You would figured this out when you kidnapped enough of them because they'd come on board and basically build themselves a den and then all get murdered in it. Uh, but they would consistently do that. And then the third building has uh, the sigils of the Dark uh, the dark Eldar or the Drukhari, uh, which is their term for themselves. So the Dark Eldar to you guys, because you guys hmm. don't know shit about the Eldar. <laughs> yeah. um, but it bladed sigils. You can see security out front, a number of kind of like heads, skulls, things on pikes outside. There is a sopophoric musk that you can almost see surrounding the building. And what you realize as you approach this central thing is these are the entertainment buildings. These are the big bars. These are the nightclubs. These are the brothels. And you can see on the top of each building, there's the Braystone at the top of the Beastman building. And then it would appear to be that there is almost a patio bar on the other two as well uh, that you might be able to trade your way in and up to if you wanted to get the highest vantage point over the whole town. Hmm. However, three different factions that you would have to approach as you went in. I would say Flinch is carrying the warp beacon, which is about the size of a briefcase. Uh, as we said, it's kind of companion cube sized.
2: Right. Well, to Carl's eye, um, does he know that um, the Son of Perfection is likely a slanish worshiper or yes. follower? Yes, gently? that would yeah. be
3: no question.
2: Yeah, okay. So then probably the entertainment um, building would be a... I guess just a stronger chance of of seeing him or someone who follows him or something like that uh, would be there. So Carl would be inclined to to enter the the Dark Eldar uh, building.
3: Great. Would you say that to your friends? Would you just go towards it? Your, oh, I will say Throck gave each of you the equivalent of, like, a pen with a red button on the top oh, that you all carry okay. on your person, which is the, like, okay. the locator be- beacon. You hit the button, it shows up on his his suit, fucking comes there and kills Sindrian. Okay.
1: okay. Did you say they were all entertainment buildings?
3: Yes, all three like, of them seem to be entertainment. The Beastman one's a little bit more of a question mark. You can't tell if... Because their religious ceremonies tend to involve a lot of yeah. rhythmic chanting, drumming, getting drunk, fucking... Like, they're just kind of... <laughs> animalistic monster people. Okay. So it could be a nightclub or it could be a church. It's a real <laughs> tough call with that particular species if a Braystone is involved. Hmm.
1: So it's Beastmen, Dark Eldar, and?
3: Mutants. Mutants. Uh, Carl would, would
2: say to the group, um, it seems clear to me that the Dark Eldar faction would be our best bet at tracking down Sindrian." I say we try to gain entrance into their facility here. Have we anything to trade?
1: <laughs> Flinch kind of adjusts like the warp beacon that's in like kind of like a satchel bag, <laughs> like a crossbody bag.
2: Yes, there's that, but if we trade that to get in the door for example, and then have nothing to trade for information or an audience with Sindrian or anything of that nature, then we're just in a building. Is there anything else? Or is it just the one big ticket item to get us through all of this?
1: We always, we always have you. Hmm. And you. For him points to Azrael.
2: <laughs> Azrael, you know things. Uh, is this a place where one could trade information for access, equipment, other information?
0: Man, would, the, would there be anything that I had gleamed from seeing the path forward? Is this on the path?
3: or The only thing you were told was like going for the obvious route. That, that's yeah. like, don't and don't fuck around. You you want to find Sindri and, and signal to Throck. You don't want to try to manipulate this in any other side way.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, According to the gods.
0: Totally. <laughs> if this is the seeming most obvious thing, the less we can interact with people here and the more quickly we find
1: our prey is what we should do. So, Ryan, we were told by Throck to set up a stall.
3: Set up a stall? I mean, Throck just wants you to find Sindrian. That's Throck's big goal. No, I'm just like,
1: did, did we... So we didn't bring anything to specifically trade?
3: The warp beacon was what he gave you.
1: That was it. Okay.
3: I mean, if you want to say that you, like, gathered a bag of, like, trinkets and shit, sure. Like, you could loot a bunch of corpses and be like, hey, we got a bunch of, (laughs) like, we can consider that to be, like, the equivalent of stress. just like, yeah, logically you would have been like, yeah, we got a bunch of, like, kind of shitty guns and jewelry and who gives a fuck. I mean, you'd all be aware that that's not very valuable in the warp, but it's around. Yeah,
0: but these are. So you're tall, all you're carrying buildings. a bag of shit. There you go. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> this is a particularly pointy bone.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Eldar likes stabbing things.
2: Before we go in there, we should all agree that if we think we see Sindrian, we should make sure it's him first. You know what's going to happen to us if you call Throck prematurely for some other glamorous-looking champion or someone who's lying for credit or or clout. We should investigate a little further before spotting him and calling the beacon, understood?
1: I mean, I, I don't have a history of jumping the gun.
2: Are we on the same team here?
3: (laughs) Uh, Are we? Yes, we are
0: all on the same team. Say, Flinch,
3: you've heard Carl say he's going to kill you in a mission from the gods like a (laughs) hundred times over your recordings from the ship currently. Like, what? (laughs) But Carl does not know you've heard any of it.
1: It calls me traitor in every single interaction. (laughs)
3: That is true. Does, yeah. That
1: alone. I'm not <laughs>
3: saying you're friends. I'm just flagging that you know he's actively <laughs> said he's trying to kill you for the gods. He does not know you know that. Right. All righty. So you approach the Dark Eldar structure. Doing it. <laughs> Might as well start there. <laughs> Outside, you see three Kabalite warriors standing just blocking the path. Uh, It is clear that they don't carry weapons. They're not here to fight people who try to come inside, but they are using their physical bulk to block the doors. And when you look behind them, you can see a number of what are generally deemed racks or grotesques. They are homunculus built nightmare creatures where they have been kind of juiced up. Uh, They've had blades built into their flesh. They tend to stand tall, large, very dangerous. Uh, And again, In this case, you can see they've just been bulked out like a motherfucker. So there are two barred doors you can see through to see these racks, and they are just sitting down, holding the doors shut with their massive bodies. So if you were to try to shove your way past... The guards, who probably wouldn't fight you because they don't want to die, you physically couldn't open the doors because they have these genetically modified nightmare creatures just blocking <sighs> them. And it's the one entrance in and out of the ground floor of this building. Above, you can see various kind of empty window panes. There's a wall blown out on the third floor of it. It's just an open space. Uh, but you are approaching. The Cabalite warriors themselves, they stand tall. They are super thin. We're talking... Olympic runner like professional marathon runner thin but with a grace that is so far beyond even what we see as ballet dancers that it's almost unsettling everything they do is beautifully articulated even if they stand raise a hand talk their armor is fitted it is very different than anything you would have seen in the sanguinary worlds though you may have seen some of these dark elder dracari in passing solely because you're going to at a You know, at that scale of an empire, you're going to team up with whoever shows up and around, and they do make trades for stuff. Uh, But it is fitted. It is a work of art unto itself. All of their different small sections of armor are segmented, interwoven. What you're seeing with this armor is that it's a combination of black, purple, and a shockingly bright blue. The label over the door is written in a number of languages. It's written very large in a curving, aggressive, vaguely creepy, dark Eldar script. But you also see it listed in Orc, a number of different alien dialects, a number that are runic and hard to look at that are very clearly written in a number of warp languages. And then you can see in uh, Gothic uh, that it. this is the Cabal of the Envenomed Rage is the group that owns this building the three guards out front are all standing in full helms they look down on you through eye lenses you can't see their expressions but you can feel the disdain and arrogance coming off of these three guards as they stand there who is going to lead this conversation who's at the front of the group
2: carl i think would still be at the front unless anybody stepped up in front of him to take a shot
1: carl is welcome to risk his neck in flinch's eyes And Azrael
0: will be right next to Carl, and as they approach, he will completely stand up. So he is a little bit taller looking now.
3: Does he display the wings, or are the wings still hidden?
0: The wings are still hidden, but you can see he's got a bulk and this big stick, and he's just to Carl's shoulder side.
3: Hello, pathetic apes. What can the Cabal do for you today? And more importantly, what can you do for us? Hello, we would like to gain entry here
2: to peruse your surfaces and partake of the finest luxuries in the warp. And what is your offering for the Cabal? Uh, Well, Carl would start with bag of shitty trinkets uh, <laughs> gesture to this sack that uh, azrael is is holding uh, uh and say uh, um uh spoils from raids done out in the warp all for you all
3: for everyone here and The dark Eldar will step forwards and tilt their head down, looking into the bag, and then stand back and shiver as though something disgusting had happened in front of them. And they'll say, for that, I will permit you to look through a second-story window from the outside across the street. Carl takes
2: a beat and and says, which second-story window? (coughs)
3: If you can get into the Beastman building you can have yourself a very crude monkai time.
2: We are not here for a, a crude time. We are here for elegance and decadence and beauty.
3: Then offer us decadence and beauty. Hmm. Or something darker. Would
2: you Find beauty in a... A tale or... A prophecy. Carl, like, side-eyes Azral.
3: We don't care for the whims of your gods. We care for pain and power. What can you offer?
2: Carl will, uh... Remove... His grotesque to show his faceless face uh, as a display of the pain that's been written on his body as an offering, as sort of like a gesture of letting someone take a look at art, take a look at a piece of art.
3: May we change you? I offer three days inside this place in exchange for one change to each of you.
2: Does Carl have any estimation of what change means to a Slaanesh-worshipping beautiful monstrosity?
3: Yeah, so you don't know, like, there's there's clearly some Slaanesh stuff. From what you know of the Dark Eldar, Slaanesh actually wants to eat all of their souls, so they're trying to okay. get away from Slaanesh, but it's a oh, strong okay. draw there. Uh, you've seen the genetic nightmares inside the door. You do not know what that could mean. It could mean that, like, it's going to cost you because yeah. it's got to be something that brings them pleasure and they worship pain. So you don't know what that pain will be, but it will be fucking bad. However, you're also smart think- enough to know that this whole city's going to get fucking torched soon. So you may be able to wait it out or you may not. You don't know when they'll collect. Yeah.
2: I think if it's pain, Carl knows pain at this point. I think Carl thinks he can tough it out. But he'll look to these two because while he is not going to go according to the plan, he needs it to seem like we're all working together. And so he doesn't want to seal the fate of these two others to something they don't necessarily want to do yet. So he'll look to Flinch and Azral and say, "Um, do you accept those terms?
1: Flinch says, we... We we would counteroffer with, uh, one 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 day for all three of us, uh, and making three changes to this one. And she points to Carl.
2: You can't tell because Carl doesn't have a face, but he makes a face at you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Interesting. We accept, and they step aside. And the doors open to the Dark Eldar Cabal's building.
1: Laura is so sorry, Carl.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you all go inside. (laughs) There is clearly an elevator, which has been built. Inside, it is very different than outside. From the outside, this place looked kind of bunk-ass, as you would expect it. But once you step inside, you begin to realize that this place has been highly decorated and highly invested in by the Cabal. You're seeing a large number of the different Dark Eldar and Drakari themselves hanging out in the space, drinking different things, their helmets are off. They have incredibly aqualine, beautiful faces, long flowing hair. You are seeing no mutations amongst any of the Dark Eldar themselves. They are all physically perfect, to the point that it would make any of the Slaneshi followers that you had met So jealous that they would have that, like, what is it, cute violence where they see something so beautiful that they're like, I love you so much, I just want to rip your face off and burn you to death. (laughs) Only they would do that. It's not just a metaphor about how cute someone's baby is. Uh, You are also seeing a number of people. It's like an opium den in here. People are just fucked up out of their minds from drinks from a large bar that you see very colorful liquids behind. But drinks are being served. You're seeing things being served that include uh, injector guns that people are blasting into their arms and a number of drinks that come out smoking, and you're seeing people just inhale the smoke off of the glasses and lean back. There are mutants in here. You don't see any beastmen. You think that may be uncouth based on the descriptions that you got from uh, the Drakkar themselves. You're not seeing any orcs. None of that's there. But there is a rubrique in the corner of the room, just overseeing the whole thing. Clearly, the rubrique don't allow any elements of the city to be not witnessed. So do mm. you know they don't you don't get the chance to be like, come to the third story of my building in the nonviolence world and then just fucking shank a guy upstairs mm-hmm. and make it happen. <laughs> uh Bane the Magnificent considered all of those details except his own mortality there is an elevator there are stairs you know there are multiple stories to this building there's the fourth floor at the top and then there are the two more floors in the middle this ground floor is floor one so to be clear one two three four i'm not doing five build five floors it confuses the shit out of me i hate ground one it's just, i hate that buildings exist that way and i'm not doing that to you or me today okay uh, <laughs> what is your plan what do you want to do
2: i mean it's it's information gathering time yeah um is there a, like a bartender? Is there someone who would be seeing yes. a lot of patrons and a lot of people coming and going?
3: There is absolutely a bartender uh, on this floor that you can go talk to. Uh, would you all go talk to the bartender? Would you split up? Do some of you want to check different floors? What's your your game plan here?
0: Yeah, Azrael would want to go up and find some balconies or windows because both looking out, uh, like, like looking in general in this place, but... <laughs> Has a feeling that getting that high vantage point and looking out both over the entire bazaar is is what Azrael is is feeling.
3: <laughs> All righty, so Azrael's going to the the roof functionally yeah. of the stories. Yeah. Uh, would you do elevator? Would you do stairs? What's your plan, Azrael?
0: Stairs, very slowly, cl- clunk 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 hmm. all the way up the stairs just taking his time
3: great Azrael's taking the stairs which no one else is taking so Azrael, you're making your way to the roof carl is going to the bar flinch what do you want to do
1: flinch is uh going in search for like a vip area knowing that uh Sindrian is very ego driven you'd want to be in the best place
3: great so flinch you go over and look at the labels on the elevator and you can see that the second floor is the equivalent of the nightclub it's just listed as like the pleasure palace uh and you can advance to there would you do stairs or elevator
1: mm, elevator let's just get this over with quickly mm-hmm.
3: all righty so you go take the elevator uh up on the roof Azrael. you find uh as you reach there I'm going to say first just because I want to work down this building for my own sanity. (laughs) Um, This this is all happening in different times, but I want to do Azrael's first. So, Azrael, you you step out onto the rooftop. And what you find is you are now hearing a chorus of screams. Mm. Just a massive screams of agony as you step out into this open-topped rooftop space. And what you see is around the perimeter... There is open space for people to look out into the rest of the marketplace. On the interior, there is a a series of bars that are designed to just keep people out of the center area. So you can walk this outside square to the bars at any of the corners. But inside, what you turn around and see is a torture garden. Mm-hmm. There are a number of homunculi who are just torturing the ever-loving shit out of people. They're peeling flesh off of bones. They're burning okay. out people's nerves. They're doing all the nasty, grotesque stuff, but building them into plants and trees and other elements. Mm-hmm. There are clearly sound dampeners that you can see that are creating a field around this rooftop space so that the screams are not filtering down into the city. And there is a rubrique in the corner, and this doesn't math out to you until you see a homunculus walk a mutant over to the rubrique. And the mutant says to the rubrique, hey, yes, I do this willingly. I serve, I serve. And then they walk him into the garden and begin peeling him like an onion. So they are building this massive space and you see parodies of trees and flowers and other things. And you have the ability to look out over the whole marketplace uh, while you were here. There are a number of different, I would say, dilettantes from the area watching the garden <laughs> knowingly. Drukari that are supervising in general. And then some people who just seem like high as balls kind of looking down. And as you look over, you see one of those people with their friend go, "Ah, there's nothing fun to do anymore. And they (laughs) jump off the building and just splatter on the road at the bottom. But you see the rubriquet on the roof, look down to a rubriquet that sees the body on the floor and nod. And then both of the rubriquet go back to their roots and continue because there was no violence involved. What do you do on this roof, Azrael?
0: Yeah, yeah. Gee, like Azrael is feeling like, this is all very checks out. This is just like (laughs) point A to point B to point C of my day of just like, you know, this is more more of the same. Look at all this consensual torture going on here. Uh, But Azrael, since can tell everybody on the roof, none of these are the people we're looking for, Azrael will just find a nice, you know, place on the edge of the roof, buffeted by these these screams and it's like, all right, I'm just gonna look with my eyes, but also kind of let my perception be open and and see if I can see this person um or or any anything drawing me in, uh, of basically similarly to Ryan wanting to work from top to bottom of being like, if I look out over this whole bazaar and nothing is drawing me in those directions, then I know we're in the right building and I can go back mm-hmm. down.
3: <laughs> yeah. And as you look at it, you don't see anything that pulls you anywhere. You can actually see from this rooftop all of the major thoroughfares through the marketplace. And you can mm-hmm. see when ships are landing at the edges and taking off, you can spot the paths that they are wearing through the glass to arrive. So this yes. feels like a good, consistent place for you. Mm-hmm. Drinks here are free. Turns out it just costs you to get inside. Uh, would you like anything from their various wares? Is there anything Azrael would drink? You can see that there is uh, Psyche, which is a drink that has appeared in a number of small places in the warp that I'm inventing, but I believe it would be true based on the Imperium's <laughs> equivalence, uh, which is something that can enhance Psyker powers, but it increases Ooh. the overall danger of using them because it just like juices a Psyker up. Yeah. Would you want that or just something more mundane?
0: I think just something more mundane. I think especially being up here in Torture Garden land, it would... After, after watching for a bit and be, be uh, assuming being offered refreshments, it would be like... Oh, yeah,
3: they're walking around serving. No <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, yeah.
0: It would just be like, Azrael wants blood from the people being tortured, like, directly there. Because it feels like this is this is all helping the warp energy and, and, and his whole vibe. So it would just hmm. be consensual torture blood, getting to yep. sip on that would be just... His,
3: and the server place. just gives you a glass and and gestures over and you oh, see yeah. other people with empty glasses just leaning in and homunculi are like serving them flesh or other things off of the people. So you're realizing it's a bit of a Benihana situation <laughs> where you're watching the meal get made with a bit of a show.
0: That's, uh,
3: so that's you, perfect. you get to collect blood off of someone that is specially made for you and the homunculus just gives you a, a shallow mock bow uh, and yeah. goes back and you just get to wait with your blood on the roof just that's to... It. Listen to the chorus of screams and stare into the future. Perfect. Flinch, you arrive in what we're going to call the nightclub area. Uh, the elevator arrives, the doors open, and you just hear some of the most decadent music you've ever heard. You hear a small number of human instruments, but you're also hearing uh, Dari, other instruments you've never heard before. Some of them that seem to almost be singing emotions. Just, it's Ooh. the most beautiful thing you've heard. There is an Aeldari vocalist who is chained to the stage, who has clearly been kidnapped by the cabal, who is just singing a lament. But it's so beautiful that everybody is really, really into it. And with the beat and the other instruments behind it, the, the emotions of the songs just swirls. It's not one song and then another song with breaks in between in conversation. Yeah. It's bouncing between emotions, between feelings, between vibes. The lights in the room constantly change. And you can see that there are people engaged in every act imaginable all over the place. There is a large dancing corps. There are people that are like fornicating in corners. And there is a hallucinogenic uh, smoke that is being pumped through the place that is hyping everybody. So as you take this all in, can you roll me? (laughs) Uh, I would accept... Probably discipline. Or I would accept resilience. Discipline, if you're trying to work through the hallucinations... Uh, resilience mm-hmm. if it's just your innate ability to not get stoned from this. Is it weak sauce when compared to the shit you've done to yourself in Nightlord land?
1: Uh, resilience.
3: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So resilience difficulty three. Okay. I am going to use spend a story point because I like the idea of you being high as balls. <laughs> and nice. it's dark Eldar stuff, so they are not fucking around.
1: Cool. Um... Uh, mm. I'm trying to think of whether I want to use a story point. How invested Flinch is in uh, actually finding this uh, Sindrian. Uh, I'm not going to use a story point, so I'm just going to roll. Great. One threat.
3: One threat. <sighs> you don't... Get completely wasted. It's not like you step into another world of intoxication. Um, you're not lost completely to hallucinations or visions, but nor are you someone who is completely in control of their senses. Imagine this is like you're experiencing synesthesia when you look at people, you feel like you can see their emotions. It's just it's an altered state. You're in you're in the AR mm-hmm. version of this. Uh, it is all. Quite pleasant, but it also vacillates between pleasant and horrifying pretty quickly. But it's an extreme roller coaster ride that you are just staggering through. So you're in every movie, oh no, I'm high in a public space sequence. Yeah. Uh you don't I'm, see I'm
1: high and my friends aren't here. Oh no.
3: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh you don't see Sindrian right now, but there's a there's a large room and Sindrian could arrive. Who knows? So would you stay at the bar? Would you sit down? What's your, what's your plan now that you're super baked?
1: Um Now that I'm super baked, I mean, fuck, I guess just hang out for a bit, (laughs) Uh, walk around. Is anyone looking forward to Sindrian's arrival? (laughs) Are there any preparations that are made for, you know, someone so wondrous?
3: (laughs) You see that there is room uh, with the chain that is attached to the singer for the ch- the singer to be removed from the stage. You also see from across the room that there is an empty throne. There is no one sitting there, but there is clearly like a VIP booth with a throne that is empty.
1: Well, oh, I would like to investigate that.
3: Great, you check it out. It has the the dark Eldar equivalent of what appears to be a reserved sign. Like there are racks <laughs> yeah. that are just preventing people from going up there to sit, and there is a rubrique watching the room as always from the corner.
1: Of course. Uh, Flinch just turns to the, like, the nearest body and points to the throne and says, who, who, who's that for?
3: And the Wreck just says, honored guest. Okay, who? Honored guest.
1: Uh useless. But pushes the, whatever it is, aside. <laughs> just...
3: Talk uh, to the that's next gonna person. That's going to happen for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to say, you just pushed a rack. So can you roll me an agility? Oh, no. Difficulty three. Uh Oh, wait, we'll we'll say, what is it? Oh, my God, this is the weirdest thing. Coordination. Yeah, it'll coordination? be a coordination. Difficulty three.
1: Good God. All right, is that everything? Yep. Uh, two successes, one threat.
3: Two successes. Uh, you manage to move... You manage to not catch your hand on any hidden blades. Uh, it's, it's around <laughs> them all. Uh, but the threat is you just have a wall of racks appear between you and this throne. You are not getting on this fucking throne because that is their concern is that you are trying to do this. You've gar- garnered attention from security.
1: Flinch just puts her hands up. And I like, hey, I'm not a threat. Um, and and says, I just, I, I just want to know who sits on the throne. I just, I want who, who, who.
2: Honored guest. Uh,
1: are are is the honored is the honored guest going to be here soon?
2: No more questions.
1: let <sighs> just, okay, whatever, just. Turns, <laughs> walks away, goes so to a corner of the room, and just folds her arms.
3: So, Flinch is <laughs> the grumpy person in the middle of the orgy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> standing in the corner, just grumpy. <laughs> Meanwhile, downstairs, Carl, you approach the bar. There is a mutant bartender who is clearly was human once, but has four arms. So they have the ability to mix a drink with one side while also pouring a drink with the other. It's very impressive to watch. And there's almost a dance like quality to it. It's it's very showy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you do? What do you say? Uh
2: the uh uh the grotesque is, is back on, so he's just got this big patchwork skull covering his head. Uh, and I think he's got a, a cloak, so it almost looks sort of grim reaper-ish. Uh, but he comes up to the the bar and, and, and finds a seat and waves down the bartender um and says, uh um uh give me something. Strong, but that will still enable me to keep my senses about me, would you?
3: Coming right up, sir. You're going to love this. Uh, And he goes through and, and throws a number of different things together into a red concoction that is bubbling that is set in front of you in a glass cylinder that is gently twisted from top to bottom it's a clearly a work of art even as glass which would be very new to you because you come from cornate worlds where they're not going to be like and here's our fancy china like that's not really a thing in the (laughs) sanguinary worlds
2: yeah and just knowing that like i have no face uh and that removing this mask might make drinking complicated uh Why don't we say it's got
3: an open open mouth zone so that you can talk and drink. Well, I was going to (laughs) say he'll just point
2: to like someone else's straw and being from a sanguinary world, not knowing what it is. Be like, can I get one of those?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The bartender just twirls one around in a hand and plops it into the drink for you. Uh, And I'll lift it uh, as a
2: sign of cheers. Take a sip. Does anything happen? Like, I I also probably haven't had anything that's real food or drink uh in possibly a decade or more. Um resilience. Do, 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 do. I might be looking at the wrong part. Resil- resilience. Oh, there is wrong. Gone. Yeah. Thank you. And I have no rank. Okay. So pop, pop, pop. pop Difficulty
3: pop. four, because you've requested something strong. Yes. Alright. Uh one success, three advantage. Uh, it does not affect you terribly much. Uh, what Mm -hmm. you do feel is all of your senses heighten slightly. Uh, but what that does mean is you can feel the temperature of the room more sharply. You can see, I mean, it doesn't actually affect your eyes because they're bionics. That doesn't help you. Uh, you can hear uh, a little bit more cleanly, but also, uh, you feel all of the pain from your various, uh, facelessness and elsewhere sharply as well. So clearly a strong drug that will keep you very fucking sharp but in both good and bad ways. Okay. If you finish this glass, it's gonna affect you.
2: Okay, uh, well, as I wince through that first sip, as, as just everything gets heightened for me, um, I'll, uh, I'll continue to try to speak to the bartender and say, um, I'm looking for some information. You seem like the kind of person who would see a lot of folk come and go and pick up a lot of
3: chatter. Would I be right in that assessment? I see a lot of things and, you know, sometimes people leave me things on the bar and they just make my life a little bit nicer. So, you know, I'm always happy to share a thing if somebody shares a thing.
2: Oh, I have a big thing to share with you
3: if the information is right. Wonderful. I have some information that I'd love to share with you if the thing is big.
2: Let's, um, let's do a quick little assessment then, (laughs) shall we?
3: I'll I'll show show you mine if you show me yours, big boy. And he's still mixing drinks for two other people (laughs) next year.
2: A, And through gritted teeth, he says, uh, a colleague of mine is holding a warp beacon. And this warp beacon can be used to summon a sort of boogeyman, let's say. So if you have any kind of enemies or anything like that, this is sort of a problem solver for that, if it's activated at the right place at the right time. Now, you seem like a genial fellow, so I also understand that you may not have any immediate use for it, but it is an excellent bargaining chip for people with perhaps a bigger chip on their shoulder that you can provide to them for various favors and things like that. Does that sound of interest to you?
3: Well, let's just say that I, you know, I may not need it, but I know some other buyers. I can put things in touch. I can grease some palms. I can make things good for you if you can make things good for me, so yeah.
2: Good, good.
3: If you're promising me that beacon, I'll make it worth your while. I'll I'll trade whatever you need. This is the part that's going to determine that. (laughs) if,
2: If I can, in fact, give you the beacon, see the information I'm looking for is about a certain individual, a perfect individual if you catch my meaning. Okay. Champion of perfection. Are we talking
3: about and son of perfection? We are. Well, see, I have Sindrian and I. We go We go way back. I've served him a lot of drinks. You know, he does what he does. And uh, he's a VIP who's supposed to get here in about two hours, so maybe I could make a little introduction, trade a little warpy beacon, keep myself a little finder's fee, and you go off being friends.
2: I knew you were just perfect. When I saw you, I'll be right back with uh,
3: that item we discussed. And you just see the bartender's face grow really pale, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna miss you. Uh, And you turn around and find a wall of racks with a homunculus in front of them. And a homunculus is and uh, they look elderly, re-stretched. The homunculus's face has clearly been separated and then re-stitched into like a top knot behind their skull, stretched Back. They're in black, almost hellraiser leisure hell razor-ish leathers covered in blades and saws and syringes. And the homunculus just says, Yes, ah, you've made a trade, and it's time to change. <laughs> it's time to change. <laughs> change. And the racks grab you and you start getting hauled towards the elevator.
1: This episode of The One-Shot Blood-Packed Requiem features Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at Yell Hamstring on Twitter, Del Borovic at Del Tastic on Twitter, and our Game Master, Ryan LaPlante at TheRyanLaPlante on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and The One-Shot's logo was created by Decapitated Markers. This show's theme music is Gothic Trip with Thunderhorse by Damiano Baldoni, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzarth. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R All available at freemusicarchive.org When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice and our Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E Ave Imperator, and death to all the
3: heretics! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time: the half-blind prophet Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, fire on friendly. Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, D&D and Things, Norma Byers, Schrodinger's Pepper, Guy Edwards, Flea Unit, Madre de Gatos, Lady Maiden, Melissa Rain, Nithrian, and, and Nola Plante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon, too, at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
2: Welcome to the strata. There's two of them following me. I know that for sure.
0: And over the package, and we'll let you go.
2: You'll let me go. Oh, that's cute. Uh, The first bullet hits me in the chest, sends me staggering back a step. All right, you assholes!
0: Look
3: out! Uh, uh. Let's go. Move it. Yeah, run.
1: That's it.